Welcome to Cultivating Curiosity, where we get down and dirty with the experts on all the ways science and agriculture touch our lives, from what we eat to how we live. I'm Emily Davenport. And I'm Jordan Powers. And we're from the University of Georgia's College of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences. Today we're talking to Tim Kulong, Professor of Horticulture and UGA Extension Vegetable Specialist. Welcome, Tim. Nice to be here. Thank you for having me. So from an early age, we are told to eat our vegetables. But while we can point to the fruit or reproductive part of a plant, you can't point to the vegetable part of a plant. When we're talking about veggies, what are we really talking about? So there are several different definitions of what a vegetable is. One of the kind of older and perhaps more common definitions would be an item of food that would be complementary to kind of the main dish that you're eating. So... Uh, Think of slicing up zucchini in a casserole or something like that. Whereas a fruit oftentimes would be considered, in that definition, an item of food that you would consume alone or as a dessert type item. So think of like a peach, for example. You would consume that by itself in general, unless you're eating peach pie. That's true. Now I want pie. So there's a lot of cases when a vegetable is really the fruit of the plant. Is that correct? That is absolutely correct, yes. Botanically speaking, in many cases, the vegetable that we commonly think of is actually a fruit, yes. Can you give us some good examples? Everyone in their vegetable garden usually has tomatoes, and most individuals realize the tomato is the actual fruit of the plant. Cucumbers would be a fruit. Squash, zucchini are the fruit. You know, if you get into some of the melons and those sort of things, those would also be botanically fruit. And what makes them the fruit? So usually the fruit would be the accessory reproduction structures for an organism. So in some cases, it's the swollen ovary or other accessory structures. If you eat a vegetable that has seeds in it, generally, botanically speaking, that item is going to be a fruit. So is that specifically what defines a fruit, is having the seeds in it, or what else goes into defining a fruit? Not necessarily. So the fruit usually is associated with the reproductive organ, but for example, we have parthenocarpic cucumbers, which are self-fertile cucumbers that do not set seed. So seedless cucumbers, if you ever get them in the store. So there are some kind of nuances to that definition. Okay, you said a fun word, parthenocarpic. What does that mean? So in in the most general sense, it is a fruiting structure that can grow, create a fruit without pollination. So seedless cucumbers, there are some parthenocarpic squash that are available. And, you know, typically a cucurbit or cucumber would have to be cross-pollinated from your male flower to your female flower, but a parthenocarpic cucumber does not. Um, And that's why they are commonly used in greenhouse settings where you don't have a lot of bees and, and pollinators flying around. Okay, I have a wild question. Sometimes I cut open a bell pepper and there's a little baby bell pepper inside my pepper. Yeah, it wouldn't necessarily be a, a baby per se. <laughs> it's just um, kind of a um, uh, malformed fruit. Sometimes uh, the flower could have uh, been present. There may be two uh, female flower parts kind of adjacent to each other in, in some cases. We see that sometimes with squash fruit as well. You'll have two that are connected together. So they're just kind of a little genetic anomaly. Okay. It's not a baby. It's a genetic anomaly. <laughs> I want to call it a Or you can baby. call it a baby too. <laughs> Whatever makes you happy, Emily. <laughs> so we're learning that a lot of vegetables are actually a fruit. But part of your role is to be the UGA Extension Vegetable Specialist. 
So tell us a little bit about your role and what the day-to-day there looks like. Sure. So um, what a lot of individuals may not realize is that every state has a land-grant university, and there are three roles to that land-grant. There's teaching, there's research, and then there's extension. And so the extension side of things is very diverse. It could be from 4-H all the way to what I do, which would be doing outreach and applied research for farmers. And so generally, most states would have an extension vegetable specialist like myself to help with applied research questions, troubleshooting farm visits with vegetable farmers in the state. And Georgia has a lot of vegetable production. Usually we are ranked fourth nationally for fresh vegetables. And so there's a lot of questions to be answered, a lot of troubleshooting to be done. And so that's one of my main jobs. Wow. So you're helping us get those vegetables on the table. Hopefully. Um, we're, we're helping uh, farmers. Uh, there's always uh, issues that are, are present, especially when you're working with a biological system affected by weather and, and climate variables. And so there's a lot of work for us to do. So what kind of produce are you working with as a vegetable specialist? In general, we will work with crops that are commercially produced in the state. In Georgia, we grow about 30 vegetable commodities on a commercial scale. It ranges, realistically, everything from asparagus to zucchini. We cover everything in between. You know, one day I may have a call about lettuce production. The next day it could be cabbage. Two weeks later it could be watermelon transplants. Pretty much any vegetable crop in the state that's grown, we have responsibilities for. Okay, wait, you said watermelon. Isn't a watermelon a fruit? (laughs) Good question. So (laughs) yes, technically it is a fruit botanically. And a number of years ago, in terms of the vegetable specialist or or someone working with them, in some cases, uh, the fruit specialist may have worked with watermelon, cantaloupe, and so on. And if you look back at the definition I gave earlier about a vegetable being consumed as part of a dish, you know, watermelon, typically you would consume that as dessert or alone or, or something like that. So it would fit many of those kind of categories as a fruit. The one big difference is that watermelon and cantaloupes and so on are grown in the same manner as many other vegetables. In kind of our modern distinction of responsibilities for a vegetable specialist, it's very much along the production line of things where I'll work with crops that are grown similarly. Watermelon would be grown similarly to cucumbers and and so on. So that would fall under kind of my responsibilities. Could be worse than having watermelon as part of your responsibility. It certainly (laughs) could be, yeah. I'm sure they're finicky when you're growing them, but they are delicious to eat. They are. (laughs) So you talked a little bit about the importance of applied research in your role and in your day-to-day. Can you give us a definition or share a little bit more about what applied research is for our listeners? Within kind of the university setting, uh, research runs the gamut, but within plant sciences, for example, you would have on one end, myself, I do a lot of applied research, which is field-based research generally, uh, sometimes mixed with greenhouse work, with the main goal of coming up with a direct recommendation that could impact a farmer, uh, production system, what have you. On the other end of the spectrum would be more fundamental research, or sometimes it's termed basic research. And those would be very, very heavily lab-oriented. Maybe we are doing a genetic analysis, particular crop, or something similar. And there may not be a very immediate, tangible output from that that impacts a farmer. We have researchers that do the whole gamut between applied and fundamental research. And in many cases, we overlap. So uh, breeder 
may have developed a, a new line that through years of genetic work has resistance to a disease. And then I would work with that breeder potentially to trial that line in the field or on a farmer's uh, site uh, to see how it performed compared to other commercially available varieties. Tell us some surprising misconceptions consumers might have about produce. Like we heard a little rumor about strawberries. So strawberries are generally considered fruit, although, of course, the the fruit part of a strawberry, the little tiny brown hard things that get stuck in your teeth, typically, and and the berry kind of part that most people associate is kind of the accessory uh, organ with it. Um, And strawberries are grown very much like vegetables, actually. They are grown as annual plants. Uh, In Georgia, they would be planted in the fall, overwintered, and then harvested in the early spring. And so fairly soon, strawberries should be getting ready to harvest, actually. I can't wait. It's my favorite time of year, strawberry jam. Love it. (laughs) (laughs) Is there anything else that we've missed when it comes to the fruits versus veggies conversation? There's a lot of uh, subtle teas, you know, um, broccoli, for example, that's a flower that hasn't matured yet. That's why sometimes you'll see some yellowing in the beads. Uh, cauliflower, um, very similar. So there's a lot of other things that go into vegetables, like a onion is a swollen base of the leaf tissue. And so vegetables cover a very broad range of kind of botanical plant parts. Oh, that's fascinating. Okay, so now what about garlic? We, we could be here all day. Just yes. like, what about this? What yes. about this? But you said onions, and I'm curious about garlic because a lot of times people consider them very similar. Mm-hmm but they seem to grow very differently. One of the big differences between onions and garlic is that garlic is usually vegetatively propagated. So when you grow it in the field, you plant individual cloves to grow, whereas onions are almost always grown from seed, occasionally from sets, but for the most part, they are grown from seedlings and so forth. So there's a big distinction there, but they serve kind of the same function ethnobotanically because they are usually used as a flavor additive. They kind of serve the similar function, grown a little bit differently. Uh, I spent a lot of time working on onions in graduate school, so it's kind of my thing. Love it. Now I'm hungry. (laughs) Yeah, I know. Me too. I also heard that broccoli, Brussels sprouts, cabbage are all the same plant. They're not the same plant, but they are in the same genus. So they're in the brassica family. So Brussels sprouts, cabbage, cauliflower, collard greens, all within the the same brassica genus, different subtypes or different varieties, of course. And Georgia actually grows a lot of brassicas. We are one of the leading cabbage states in the United States, as well as greens like collards and turnips and those sort of things. That's I cool. want to get some onions and collards. No, <laughs> get, get going on a good dinner here. Is it too late for lunch? Right. <laughs> never. Never too late for collard greens. Right. Do you have a favorite vegetable as a consumer? So as a consumer versus uh, someone doing research, um, I do like working uh, with pumpkins quite a bit. In general, we grow pumpkins as a decoration, so we're not eating them, um, although there are pie pumpkins, but it's usually a kind of a fun vegetable to grow. You get these huge fruit in the field. It's a nice time of year when you're harvesting. Probably watermelons, though, outside of pumpkins would be my second favorite. When I worked in Tifton, we did large watermelon trials every year to support our industry in the state. And the whole month of June was generally geared towards harvesting watermelon almost every day. So had my 
fair share of <laughs> watermelon oh, past. Man. I can that imagine. Amazing. That sounds incredible. <laughs> Tim, thank you for joining us today. We really appreciate your time. Absolutely. Thank you for having me and happy to help clear up or maybe confuse some things even more. <laughs> All I'm hearing is my kids still need to eat their vegetables, right? <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you can just call them fruits and then it's fine. Exactly. <laughs> Thanks, Tim. Thank you. Thanks for listening to Cultivating Curiosity, a podcast produced by the UGA College of Agricultural and Environmental Sciences. A special thanks to Mason McClintock for our music and sound effects. Find more episodes wherever you get your podcasts.